0: Chapter 4 2 Un. Bors Vetus pinched the bridge of his nose and sighed. Judging from the number of papers Compeer Meyer Tanya had just delivered, the day would be busy. Again. Working for the Ministry of Words was not all it was chalked up to be. There was certainly an element of knowledge to which only a minister was privy, but there was also the work. You cannot have it both ways, Vetus smiled to himself. His brother would have scolded him for being so lazy, even if only in thought. If the Lord Prime could work day in and out for Hasball, then so could he. Pulling the first pages before him, Vetus unfolded his spectacles and squinted at his latest directives.
1: Assignment, unidentity.
0: Vetus scanned the document and frowned. Around him, the sounds of ruffling pages and clawing pens to paper brooded about the hall. Vetus folded his hands beneath his chin and sucked on his bottom lip, an unfortunate habit formed from childhood whenever he got to thinking. Pig lips, his old friends had called him once. But those who knew the nickname had either fled or were long since dead. Bors Vetus was a broad-chested man with a warrior's potential, but the scholarly arts had left him quite frail. Dressed like other ministers, he wore robes embellished with veins of silver silk, which coalesced along the back into a simple but elegant flower. Vetus's desk sat nestled near the middle of the work floor, in the twelfth row, surrounded by the brightest minds in Hasbol. Stained glass windows filtered colorful light into an otherwise drab room, their images a reminder of Hasbal’s dark dealings with slavery. On days, much like today, seeing the image of his forefathers being whipped from horseback was enough to inspire him toward the perfect future. But on this day, Vetus could hardly bring himself to hypothesize how to strip down the family identity. Checking his pockets, Bors Vitus felt an odd comfort and definite fear as his fingers traced the ring the professor had given him. If anyone found out it was in his possession, he would be unned, executed, and branded as a rebel sympathizer. And yet, he could not bring himself to throw the artifact away. The weight of the ring had a regality to it, and the curves of the metal were like a snaking river. This was not from the ironworks. It was a relic of a lost time, not the product of industry or convenience. According to his studies, this piece was smithed and embellished with a halo of crushed quartz around the headstone, purely for the art of it, a concept fueled by a strange word called love. The old language was resplendent with words representing singular definitions and concepts which no longer existed today. Love, for example, was a strange convention encompassing affection, a word that could be both a noun and a verb. Its use was a messy affair, without a solid way of testing its legitimacy. Nothing
1: like today's use of utility. That can at least be measured and confirmed.
0: But love, Vetus mused, tracing his fingers along the ruby's edge. No, love cannot be confirmed.
1: Yet it somehow fueled everything the old ones did.
0: He glanced upward at the stained glass windows his gaze lingering over a scene depicting a group of slaves cleaning out the bowels of a bowhead, shearing its horn and collecting the whale's oil. How could a culture so obsessed with love fail to apply it? Having a less good session today, Minister Bors, asked a man. He was one of the many floor supervisors who ensured work flowed from the scholars at a double more good pace. Like all supervisors, this one was Iridan, but the faint traces of blue in his irises hinted of some ancestral mingling. Vetus pulled his hand from his pocket and clicked the pen. Had he been seen playing with the ring? This is the third day your quality has been less good. Why are you distracted? The man asked. I just have found the problem less easy, Vetus said quickly. Too quickly. Twelfth row seems to be carrying on well. How less easy could it be? The boss has duties for you, Compeer, the supervisor said, leaning in closely. Vetus could feel the lukewarm touch of sweat in the pits of his shirt. The supervisor frowned and looked him up and down. You're sweating, minister. Is everything most good? Sweating?
1: I hardly noticed. Sometimes it becomes double more hot in here, Vetus explained. He knows. Someone must have seen me help the shields and reported
0: it. Vitas bit his lip again, rapidly turning it a bright pink.
1: Come to think of it, the supervisors have been checking on my work double more as of late. They have been watching me, waiting for suspicious behavior.
0: Vitas shot a glance around to see who had reported him. Surely they would be watching. But all the other ministers had their heads down and were rapidly scribbling away. Eyes up here, minister, the supervisor said pointing to his foggy, cataract-filled eyes. I understand. You haven't been acting yourself the past three days. I've been watching, and I can see it. You can? Vetus breathed, afraid anything might give him away. Of course, the man winked. It is the time of the year people get sick. I mean, look at how you're sweating. Most stay home, but not you. It's why the boss is so interested in you. I wanted to tell you as one irritant to another. Compeer Gatz is looking for a replacement as he has been recently gifted a promotion. Immer Gatz will be traveling to the Eldvatan Flats in a fortnight to undergo the rigors required of joining the Lord Ascendant's Junto. As both men well knew, the Junto was the highest station to which a minister could aspire the select few served only the Lord Ascendant and Prime in ways that were shrouded in glory and secrecy. They wore finely embroidered cloaks, lived upon luscious estates, and bore silver-clawed scepters wherever they went. Some amongst the trusted whispered that in far-off places, the Junto ran experiments upon orphans and dissidents, aimed at examining how they might re-educate them to fall in line with the Lord Prime's promise of utopia. That is double most good, then, Vitus said in relief. Compeer Gatz is most deserving. Well, less than the Lord Prime himself, of course. Vitus raised his pen, as if to return to writing, but then paused. Why are you telling me this? Because, the supervisor said, you are on the short list of candidates to replace him, and the other two are Hasbian. From one Iridan to another, I know which person I'd double most like to see fill the position. The supervisor looked up at the stained glass, which was now glowing under the morning sun. The beam settled upon a grotesque scene of an Iridan woman being forced into an abortion under the ancient Hasbian laws. The scene made Vetus' blood boil every time.
1: I was the fourth child,
0: Bors Vetus murmured, and I the second. Under the old law, they both would have been forced under the scalpel the moment their mother showed. And in this, they were connected in a way others never could be. Well, the supervisor said, I have work to do, and hopefully you as well. The others have written the almighty storm by now. Boris Vitus watched the man walk away, his heels clicking amongst a sea of scratching, crinkling, page turning, and impatient tapping. Looking back once more at the bloody scene, Vetus watched as the light faded behind what he presumed to be a cloud. The depiction of blood spilling from the wound was the last color to ease away. Vetus steeled his mind, trying to ignore the tempting weight in his pocket. And when he could not, he did what he knew best to ease his ailing mind. Lowering the pen, Vetus began to write. A family structure will produce identity, and that always will be, but perhaps the family structure itself can be subject to a collectivized shifting.